The Automotive News Canada podcast is brought to you by Diamond Coat. Did you know Diamond Coat has a 96% claims approval rate? This translates into happy customers and repeat service business. But really, you get much, much more when you become a Diamond Coat dealer. Advantages like in-house chemical manufacturing, product fulfillment, bilingual claims support, and a highly experienced team with decades of F&I experience. Visit diamondk-o-t-e.com to get started. Diamond Coat, we've got you covered. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the November 4th, 2022 episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor at Automotive News Canada. My guest today is concrete evidence that this is no longer your father's automotive industry. It's become much more than stamping metal, making parts, and assembling vehicles. Today, we're going to talk connectivity. When will fully autonomous vehicles finally arrive? What are the hurdles they face in Canada? And what's being done when it comes to safety and self-driving vehicles? All that and more when we hear from TELUS Vice President of Technical Sales and Connected Car Specialist, Hanif Datu, on this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. Hanif, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Thank you. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. You recently spoke at the Automotive Parts Manufacturers Association Conference in Windsor, Ontario. What was your message to suppliers in attendance when it comes to connectivity and the future of autonomy? Well, well, first, let's acknowledge the APMA and celebrate them. I mean, established in 1952, been around since the auto pack days, uh, proponents of free trade, represented uh, the heritage of innovation in Canada uh, that we're all fortunate enough to be heirs to. So we were deeply impressed with people that you know, like Flavio, Warren, Lauren. They made it easy, and their enthusiasm about this project was just infectious. So, you know, as we thought back to the Avro era, and we loved the name, uh, you know, we just felt that deep resonance with the Canadian psyche was something we wanted to be part of. And so the talk I gave was really about how do we scale innovation in Canada? Because this is the challenge we have in a country where, um, you know, we're constantly having to overcome productivity deficits uh, to Canadian industry where our firms are smaller, our market is smaller. Uh, the conjunction of innovation diversity corridors are is limited and risk appetite is lower. So uh, it was really thinking through how do we actually get scale in our businesses and get outside of the Canadian market with uh, great ideas like uh, Project Arrow. What's your role specifically in Project Arrow? Our role is really about, you know, connectivity services for the Arrow uh, infotainment requirements. Um, you know, in Canada, we're, we're privileged to have one of the fastest networks in the world uh, and TELUS is the fastest in Canada. So, uh, and that's evinced by our many awards. And, you know, Canadians take that network quality for granted, but we've always seen our network as a, a thing of beauty. And uh, for us, it's a handcrafted by our radio frequency artisans who uh, are just focused on obscure things like latency, jitter, packet loss, and the opportunity to jam with other craftsmen in the automotive industry was something we just had to be part of. As this auto industry rolls toward fully autonomous vehicles, whenever we get there, and we'll talk about that in a bit, I'm curious what type of challenges AVs face in Canada in particular. We are big. We are sparsely populated once you get further away from the border. 
Um, what is out there that needs to be overcome? You've hit the nail on right on the head, right? So, but maybe we'll just broaden it a bit. So uh, in this area, we look at uh, the ACES framework, right? Autonomous, connected, electrified, and shared. So challenges in Canada are not just in autonomous, right? They're also very much in the challenges we're dealing with right now around getting EV charging stations out into the uh, marketplace, right? There's got a lot of level two and level three charging stations have to get spread across the country. Um, and as you said, this is a big, sparsely populated country, and we've got about 1.4 million kilometers of roads in Canada relative to the U.S., which has six and a half million. Uh, but some of our communities are not even connected by road, right? Uh, there are ice roads in our country, uh, and connectivity on that uh, is a problem. We have to get beyond the Trans-Canada Highway, and that creates, creates uh, challenges for electrification, connectivity, and autonomy. And when we think about some of the cutting edge technologies like mobile edge compute, we're being required to deliver millisecond level latency across the fabric of the second biggest country in the world and interact with, you know, cloud environments. If you think about doing AI processing at the edge with a integrated sensor array in a vehicle, it's just a, it's a, it's challenging the best minds in our business. And this at a time when, connecting rural communities in Canada remains a challenge in certain areas, right? So when we think about shared mobility, I mean, we saw what happens with the economics of small communities when Greyhound uh, exited the Canadian marketplace, right? So uh, when we think about shared shared, shared ridership, it, it's, a, it's a critical issue that we need to work through. And last but not least, and you'll be familiar with this in the auto industry, there are 119 uh, border crossings with the U.S., and so we, when we think about how our networks touch those border crossings, those are challenges that we have to uh, to work through. So there's lots beyond uh, just the AV area. And, you know, computer vision doesn't and snow don't mix particularly well in Canada. So that's, you know, that's a real challenge. You brought up an interesting point that I, I've never really thought of. And I, I mean, I have, but I don't often get to ask about this. Should there be some sort of harmonized plan to deal with autonomy between the U.S. and Canada? Because as you mentioned, all those border crossings, all that international trade. I come from Windsor where we have thousands of nurses who work in the States and could one day be in autonomous vehicles. Should there be more work being done more closely between the two countries? Or is that work happening and we just don't know it? That work is happening. In fact, uh, what, one of the projects we're working on in Windsor is uh, is the is right in that corridor working on how we transition from one carrier network to another carrier network in Canada. So we've started that progress already. We're used to dealing with our colleagues in the U.S. Uh, on the uh, U.S. networks. You know, technology is ubiquitous. It's it's not something that will be bound by borders. So thinking about those transition points is, is critical. Ford Motor Company recently pulled back from AV development just in late October, warning mass adoption is a long ways off. How far away are completely autonomous vehicles from where you sit? What is your view or TELUS's view on this? Are they close? Are they years or decades away? I'll start with there's no good way to make a prediction here. <laughs> uh, I'll say this. Level four, level five autonomy is it's hard, right? And the way I, we think about it is is really what does it take to get technology generation to about half the population? So let's take mobile, the mobile phone industry. It kicked off in Canada around 1985, and it only hit 50% penetration around 2005. So assuming level four, level five 
technology challenges solved before the end of this decade, we're probably looking at mass adoption in the 2040 to 2050 timeframe. That's nothing more than a guess. So, you know, a lot can change between now and then. And we've certainly been surprised by technology before. So the follow-up to that is this, as Ford, an automaker, pulls back, how far away are companies like TELUS from actually being able to support full connectivity? So are the telecoms and wireless providers further along than the automakers or are they moving in lockstep? Well, I'll tell you, we cover 80% of the Canadian population with uh, 5G today. We also think about our LTE coverage. We cover 99% of that population. Still, roadways in rural regions are challenging. and We've all had the experience of a of that dreaded drop call, right? And the challenge is not just coverage, it's also latency. So when we think about roadways specifically, our challenges uh, not only also include the integration of our networks with traffic systems. It's looking at the potential of the 5G use cases that are coming out in the standards and thinking how do we connect vehicles to infrastructure, vehicles to vehicles, vehicles to cyclists, vehicles to pedestrians, How do we platoon commercial vehicles? How do we get ad hoc connectivity going between these networks? And how do we do messaging to vehicles? And then you're putting this in a context of having to also deploy precise positioning to get at use cases like the middle of the lane, uh, dealing with inclement weather, dealing with congestion. So there's a lot of work to be done. You just listed, I don't know, a dozen things that need to be done and work together Um, It's almost difficult for me to wrap my head around all of the things that have to happen in order to make a vehicle drive by itself and communicate with other things. And yet the general public is basically banging on the door saying, where is my driverless car to get me to Toronto? Where is my driverless car to get me to the cottage? Where is the driverless car to take me on vacation? Is it difficult to make the public realize how difficult it is to make cars drive themselves? I think it has been difficult. You know, we got we get very excited about uh, technology, but I think accidents that have happened have been object lessons in why we need to do this in a methodical fashion, right? There was, uh, whether it was a Tesla self-driving accident that we saw down in the US or uh, Uber exiting the market uh, based on an accident that they had, these are object lessons for all of us. This has to be thought through and the public safety and public interest has to be at the forefront of this, right? So the standpoint that we're working with is just how do we currently make things safer on the roadways? Uh, A vehicle is not just a cell phone on wheels and network quality has to be foundational to driving experiences. We'll be right back after this short break. If you're a car dealer today, odds are you're facing a lot of new realities when it comes to reaching your customers. With inventory shortages, a shift towards buying cars online, selling a new vehicle isn't easy. Every touch point counts, whether it's online or in person. Let Diamond Co. work with you to make those kinds of connections in this ever-changing world. Diamond Code is committed to our dealers by partnering with national digital retailers, making it simple for you to include our products onto your website, completing your end-to-end digital retail offering. We will work with your team to ensure your F&I product suite is complete, driving customers back to your dealership for test drives and finalizing the deal. Enabling a smooth transition online to an in-person visit is the kind of commitment 
that has made Diamond Coat Canada's most trusted warranty provider for automotive dealers, manufacturers, and customers alike. And remember, Diamond Coat offers the most comprehensive line of products and programs all available through one company, a true one-stop shop. For more information about our products, visit diamondk-o-t-e.com. Diamond Coat, we've got you covered. Welcome back to the podcast where I'm speaking with the Vice President of Technical Sales at TELUS, Hanif Datu. So does that network, is is it always going to be over the air? Will we have things buried in our roadways? What does the future look like to get us that connectivity that we need? Well, well we already, we have both, right? So I don't think it will be, you know, uh, what people may not realize is that cellular networks are based on a lot of fiber optic t- cable, uh, which just poke up at the end with antennas, right? So um, we're densifying our cellular networks. Uh, we're working through where we need to drive our networks deeper into uh, into the, into our country. And uh, we're also deploying, you know, interactions with uh, different technologies in, in networking, which might even include things like satellite communications, right? So it's not a one and done, it's a journey. You mentioned safety just a couple topics ago. And one of the topics people always discuss when we talk about connected cars is cybersecurity. Um, you know, you said they're not just cell phones on wheels. They're not just computers on wheels, but I can connect to my house and turn on my lights in some vehicles. Uh, there are automakers who want us to be able to order meals from our dashboard. So how is TELUS handling the cybersecurity issue in a sense that, um, so folks don't get their information stolen or their car quote unquote hijacked. How are you handling the security issue when it comes to that? We're partnering with uh, leading academic institutions like uh, University of Windsor uh, to propel advanced research in key industries and technology streams like automobility and cybersecurity, right? Uh, We're unlocking our award-winning wireless network uh, and, you know, allowing those innovators in our markets to actually interact with our technology. And for example, we're doing that in in the Windsor-Essex region, as I mentioned, with the uh, Windsor-Detroit tunnel, where uh, with the Windsor-Essex VR cave, uh, we're figuring out how to move an autonomous vehicle from a US network to Canadian network. It's a hard use case. And when we have people think about those use cases, we approach it from security by design, teaching students to anticipate attack services minimize privileges, encrypt data, create multiple and independent levels of security. That just makes good sense as they approach these technologies. And, you know, as we've kind of seen is there's been some gaps on this um, and and there's a lot of lines of code to go through. So thinking about this at the design stage is, I think, the way forward and has to be thought through. And if you've talked to Colin at the APMA, he's been thinking about that in the arrow. Uh, And so we want to integrate and think about that comprehensively uh, with organizations like that. You talked about some research going on in Windsor, but TELUS is also doing research and and work at the University of Alberta Living Lab. Uh, What's happening out there? What are you learning out out west? Yeah. So in uh, 2021, we established the 5G Living Lab with the U of A. And uh, we supported a $15 million investment to provide uh, 5G infrastructure into the U of A to accelerate research and drive technology roadmaps really around it to support the V2X use cases, right? Uh, and these are the ones that allow 
the vehicles to communicate with each other and everything around them to make our roadways safer and more efficient. So that's what we're trying to do in that part of the country. I have to ask, why Alberta? Is it is it the climate? I know we mentioned snow off the top. Is that part of it? You know, the nice thing about some of the Alberta roadways is built a bit later. They are more more rectangular in orientation, and so earlier use easier use cases to work through and work the bugs out of. Well, I spent a few years in Alberta as well. Love love it, and I'm an Oilers fan, so whenever I see Alberta pop up, I've got to ask about it. So, uh, And you and I have talked about it before we started recording. This industry is nationwide now, isn't it? And this is sort of an example of that, where you're doing research in Windsor on one thing, research in Alberta on another. How broad is your research and this industry, and how big of a part can everyone or every province play in this? We've got use cases across the country, right? And we're seeing 5G just explode in terms of uh, people's ideas, right? Uh, Whether that be considering how do we tackle wildfires happening in BC to, you know, use cases like autonomy, drones. I mean, it's the creativity of Canadian industry is really what we want to enable here. It's literally, there's not one province that we don't see this happening in. You also have uh, an agreement with uh, GM Canada to connect Canadian GM drivers. That agreement is now in its second year. How's that going and what are you learning in that project? What's that one about? I'll say this. I mean, GM is special in Canada because they're they're so deeply Canadian and their leadership also that that is in has moved on into the US. Many of them come from Canada. So it's a deep Canadian organization. And so we were very proud to be part of their plans. And as you mentioned, it's a multi-year agreement as we learn together. And uh, we're looking to get the first built-in TELUS 5G networks in model year 2025. And, you know, we're innovating together. This is a co-innovation relationships where obviously we will drive connectivity, but we're also looking beyond connectivity at, at what else we could do. You know, and that might involve things like consumer services. It involves things like how do we think about edge computing? How do we think about connected ap- applications? How do we think about things like fleets? I want to end with liability. Uh, What happens when a wireless provider fails? Uh, Do cars completely shut down? Do they crash? Do they stall? Do they pull over to the side of the road? And in those situations, if something dire happens, who's at fault? Okay, well, let's start with the current legal framework in Canada allows level two capabilities, wherein the human driver is liable for the car's actions, even during semi-autonomous operation. So the driver has to pay attention at all times. There's no debate about this today. The debate about a future legal framework on technology that hasn't been developed yet is not something that I can opine on meaningfully. Uh, In terms of the technology, you know, as with any technology, it has to be pre-tested. It has to be done on uh, test tracks, in testing corridors. It has to be multi-layered and fault tolerant inside the vehicle. It has to communicate with roadways, it has to communicate with precise positioning, it has to fail over in terms of its network optionality. We have to look at technology as it evolves within a body of law that is here to adjudicate this complexity, and it's got to evolve in the public interest over time to make our lives better. In the meantime, what we're working on is how do we reduce traffic fatalities in Canada through 5G capabilities, through our VDEX Uh, work at intersections? How do we reduce emissions through our electrification initiatives? How do we reduce congestion on our roadways? And how do we support first responders to support public safety? 
some of the other use cases are things that we need to look at in the future. A terrific conversation and one that I've wanted to have on this show since I started it because I think automotive is so broad now uh, in terms of mining and technology and connectivity and everything. So I think you fit in perfectly with what we're doing in the industry and I want to thank you for your time and your insight. It was wonderful. Thanks so much. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate the time as well. I want to thank Hanif for being my guest. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous podcasts on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play, or on our website, automotivenews.ca. Just click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. That does it for this episode of the Automotive News Canada podcast. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.